You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast for casual weather conversation. I'm Min Fun, and I'm Castle Williams. On today's episode, we're talking all about Hurricane Matthew. I was actually here on the Georgia coast, um, experiencing Hurricane Matthew and the wind and the rain and everything and all the damage that came with it. And so, I have a little bit of a personal perspective about what it's like to sit through a hurricane, and then also the aftermath of the hurricane, um, seeing trees uprooted everywhere, homes destroyed, flooding. It's pretty crazy, and I've never seen anything like it personally. So definitely looking forward to talking about that and and also what it takes to really bring a community together after the fact of a storm coming through, a major disaster coming through, and volunteering to help people in the community. That's also very important as well. Um, So that and more coming up next on Weather Hype. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need any wrong to know better Put your faith in Hello, Castle. How is it going over there in the uh, northern part of Georgia, which I think didn't really, you didn't really get too much impacts from the hurricane, did you? Nope. Uh, a little bit of wind, but other than that, nothing really. Dude, I mean, I don't even know where to start with all of this stuff. It's insane. Um. Well, I just got back uh, an hour or two ago. I was down at um in Savannah volunteering at the Red Cross shelter at the Savannah uh, Trade and Convention Center. Um, pretty much before the storm came, the city issued a um, evacuation order for residents, right? And those who do not have transportation out to the um, areas like Augusta, Georgia, or other places that people evacuated to, um, city buses actually changed all their routes and picked people up off the street and took them to one designated location. And from that designated location, uh, people were then transported to other cities just to get everyone out as much as they could. I think the city transported roughly 3,000 people. So wow. all those people need to come back to the city. And today was one of those days. Okay. Um, <laughs> school buses are pulling up and there's like a huge shelter. It can house like up to 600 people, I think. The local emergency management folks were here, Red Cross, uh, Verizon Wireless. They're here to uh, set up their charging station to let people charge their phone oh, and stuff like that, which idea. is really cool. Um, Duracell was here handing out um, batteries to people for their um, devices and whatnot. It was just insane everybody that came together to help the national guard was helping too but we were all on buses or they were all on buses they came here and they have tons of things to take off the bus right people pack their livelihoods and these are the people who took these buses are those who don't have transportation and we're talking about low income folks in poverty things like that people who need a lot of help and just sitting there and helping them it was Almost, it was kind of heartbreaking to see, you know, like they didn't have luggage. These people were had trash bags full of anything they could fit, uh, you know, clothing, photos, pictures, you know, just things like that. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are elderly too, who were sitting on a school bus. I mean, luckily it wasn't hot today, but sitting on a school bus, having to climb up and down the steps with a cane, um, folks were like limping. It was really sobering to be there and helping those people who a lot of them don't really have a place to go. And some folks are, you know, we're, we're just 
really antsy about just getting out of that bus and, and going somewhere, but I was helping this one lady. She was so sweet and, and so nice, and I asked her, you know, hey, where in Savannah do you live? And she said, I don't have a place. I'm I'm homeless. And that, like, just it hit me. And I don't know. I got teary-eyed so many times today just hearing people's <laughs> stories about where they come from, what they do, you know, where they live. Uh, folks were from all parts of the city, and they just wanted to get out for the storm, and they don't know what they're going to be coming back to. They don't know if their house is going to be destroyed. They don't know if their house is flooded um, or damaged. And right now, the city buses aren't even running, so they have to stay at the shelter until they can get home somehow. Even Uber is not working right now. Uber has suspended operations Mm. as of right now for the city because they don't want their drivers to drive around in the um, streets that are really dangerous. So these are little things here and there that you start thinking about when you experience a disaster. The emergency management folks, they have a plan for how to deal with this. And they their plan is pretty good. However, when you have not had a hurricane evacuation since 1999 when Hurricane Floyd was coming this way, that was, what, 17 years ago? And we haven't yeah. really had a major threat since. And when you don't have a major threat, you have drills. Drills are great. But drills do not show you exactly what can happen. You can simulate but when the real thing happens, things are a lot different. And I think today there were a lot of great things that were happening, but there are a lot of things as well that needs to be worked on. And this provides a perfect opportunity to sit down after the fact and say, this went well, this didn't go well, this was great, this was not so great. A lot of things that can be tailored and fine-tuned to make sure that if something happens again, we'll be even more prepared and we can do a lot of great things. Uh, and we we did do great things. And you know what? Everybody was safe. And that was what really mattered. However, getting people back to Savannah or to, to you know other places, that was kind of interesting. There was a lot of communication and coordination, but then there were a lot of issues with that same um, idea as well. People were not on the same page <laughs> when it came to certain things. <laughs> I was running around scrambling like, hey, what 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 is this about? Or what is that about? And people would be like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, somebody needs to know. And at some point in time, you have to kind of make the decision on your own. And I know that sounds kind of bad. And I have to be like, all right, I have to make a decision right now to do this or to do that. Because these people cannot just sit here and wait. Dealing with these people, it's really unfortunate too. One lady, she is actually from Jacksonville. And her, I think her home was destroyed in Jacksonville. She came up here, then took a bus to Augusta. Then came back down here and she was just like, I don't really know why I even want to live anymore. My whole livelihood is gone. My whole life is gone. I have nothing. And I don't even want to just in just hearing that. How can you not get emotional? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like these people have lost so much and it makes me so mad to think that people were saying this storm was nothing. This storm was not bad at all. And people were freaking out and, and, you know, overhyping it or whatnot. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe for you, because your power didn't happen to go off and you were safe in your home and, you know, whatever. But some people have lost so much, if not everything. And even looking at Haiti, what, 900 is a death toll Mm -hmm. now? Yeah. How can anyone say that this storm wasn't bad? So to anybody who says that, I have very harsh 
words that I'm not going to say here. Um, but look at the perspective from other people's eyes and where they come from and realize this was very impactful on many levels. Well, to, to kind of think about it from the other perspective, like for me, like it's difficult to even go to get to their perspective because I'm not there. Like I'm not seeing it with my own eyes. I don't know if the news is covering it as effectively as it could be. Yeah, they're not. Like, <laughs> yeah, me personally, like I didn't realize, like if if I hadn't talked to you or haven't been talk- talking to you over the past few days, I would not think it was as bad. Um, especially like in Georgia, like North Carolina, I feel like is being portrayed as being the worst because of all the flooding issues they're having. Um, but I just don't think the portrayal of this horrific story is being like told correctly. And so I don't know if it's necessarily everyone's thinking, oh, it's not that bad. Not that, not that many bad things happen. They just don't know really what happened. Yeah, and and I understand that too. And I was thinking about it the other day how the election and the presidential stuff mm-hmm. is still still the biggest thing talk people are talking about. This yeah. could be more devastating than Katrina in some ways because it covered such a large area and so many people were affected, but it's not getting that same level of coverage that Katrina got, nope. you know. There's not that, you know, super captivating footage of people looting or people you know wading Mm -hmm. through waters and and stuff like that Um, there was one photo from savannah of a woman wading through like waist or like almost neck deep water at one point Um, and she was a homeless woman at a homeless camp in savannah walking down president street and the water was up to her like shoulders or something and she was like yeah i live in a homeless camp and no one told us to get out we had no idea we were sitting in the storm and all of a sudden the water came up to our necks and we had to start going somewhere. You know, Holy there was cow. a photo from from somebody who took a photo and, and that went viral. But other than that, you know, there's people are searching for that crazy video or crazy footage. And yeah, they're getting it sometimes. But um, I don't think this story is being told correctly. And I wanted to provide that perspective. And I was more kind of talking about folks that were in this area who were directly affected by the storm, who... We're saying like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or before mm-hmm. the storm even came, I had one person who was um, saying stuff like, it's only that it's only category one storm or whatever. And it they were like making weird arguments about the wind speed and, and stuff like that and saying like, oh, well, the rain doesn't uh, cover up my yard or the water doesn't come up to my yard. Then then I'm not going to take a picture and I'll I'll prove it to you that it's not a big deal. And I'm like, OK, yes, because you live in a nice house on the water. Cool. But dang, so many people are not as fortunate as you. And mm-hmm. just to think, you know, I'm I'm super lucky. I have power now. I only went two days without power. People are still without power and they will continue to be without power for days. The power crews are doing an excellent job getting things together. Um, you know, and tree people who are cutting down trees. Um, TV stations are doing a great job covering the story locally, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean... I rode out the storm 20 miles east of here in Hinesville, Georgia. My aunt and uncle are, uh, they they live there kind of, and we stayed with them. My mom and dad actually were not even in the country when Hurricane Matthew hit us. They were flying back from Taiwan, 
and they had gotten hit by that that typhoon uh, Meji that we mm-hmm. were talking about. So right. I think it's I don't know bad bad storm luck that's been following them. <laughs> um, but they were flying back. They were they were stranded in New York for a couple of days because they couldn't fly back to Savannah because our airport was closed. Um, but living in Richmond Hill, which is where my family's home is, I knew that we're on the marsh and we're next to the water and next to the Ogeechee River and. I've never experienced a hurricane here, and I didn't know how bad the storm surge would be. I didn't want to take that chance. So I said, all right, family, we're going. We're we're moving westward, away from the river, away from the marsh. We're not taking that chance. I don't want to wake up with water in my home. And the the way we our houses are, the first floor, you cannot live on it because it's in a floodplain. So houses are mm-hmm. built one story above the ground, and then you live on the second floor. And then if you have a three-story home, Technically, it's a two-story home because your first floor shouldn't be inhabitable anyway. So mm. to get to the second floor of my house, that's like 12, 10, 12 feet. And I was like, I don't want water to come up there. Granted, it didn't get that high. It didn't even get to the house. But the water did come up on the yard quite quite a bit. Um, and there's trees down everywhere. And people are cutting those trees down now. Um, but sitting in Hinesville, 20 miles west of here, holy crap. We're inside of a... People kept on asking, why are you in a gas station? I was Snapchatting people. I, um, I was at a gas I station because I, I was at their business and we decided to hunker down in their gas station convenience store business while all this was going on. We had cots and mattresses and stuff to stay and we had plenty of food because it's a convenience store. Um, their gas station canopy throughout the night just kept on like blowing back and forth and it just kept on like moving down and tilting at... It's at a 45 degree angle now. It didn't, it didn't completely collapse, but the steel bent... And it's at a 45 degree angle. Um, we had power that went out there too. And people were, this, we, we had a convenience store. We were already there and we had no power. But we said, you know what? We're going to try to sell stuff because A, we can um, minimize our losses on, on our products going bad. But B, people need stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we opened and it was dark. So we had to use flashlights. I walked down the aisles with a flashlight to show them like where the candy was, where the, coke products were um, where the beer was um (laughs) stuff like that and it was insane for me to see people saying like oh do you guys have any baby formula i didn't get any my baby really needs some and we're the one of the only places open in the entire city and that city is like what fifty thousand people Mm -hmm. people are looking for this guy's like i'm looking for charcoal so i can warm up my baby's milk and you know, I'm not trying to put them at blame, but people were not prepared for, for what was going to happen for those who stayed. They thought that this was going to be a major thunderstorm and they'd wake up the next day with, you know, maybe a power out for one hour or two and that they can just resume their lives and, and whatnot. But that was not the case. And we'll talk about the communication stuff later, but it was well communicated ahead of time. That the storm would be pretty bad. There was a reason why there was a mandatory evacuation. Um there was one McDonald's and one Burger King and one Waffle House opening in the town. There was traffic backed up for miles because people were trying to go there to get food because they didn't have food at home. Wow. No one had like canned goods or, you know, food that was ready to eat at home. They all had to go to McDonald's and, and Waffle House and Burger King to get food. And that just that to me was like, wow, like they didn't prepare. I, I bought bread. I brought peanut butter and jelly because I was prepared to eat PB&J for a few days um, mm-hmm. and just other snacks and goodies that I felt would get me through. And these people were not, unfortunately, ready for what came from Hurricane Matthew. So, and water and ice, these are things that 
you should have gotten ahead of time and people didn't and when they were scrambling trying to find it and they get frustrated when we said we ran out we don't have any more we're sorry and they're like well where do i go now and i was like i i don't know there is nowhere to go walmart's not open the grocery stores aren't open um and if they are they probably don't have power so anything the cold they have isn't going to last and so just to see that perspective and and i felt i felt really bad Again, I was like on the verge of tears. I don't know, man. I was emotional. We talked about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I was just so heartbroken to see these people in their state. And again, Hinesville is its a military town, but there's a high level of those who are lower income and high poverty as well. And so these people may not have the luxury of going out to get goods and services ahead of time. Maybe they didn't have the means to get a 24-pack of water before you know the storm hit. There are probably reasons why they didn't they weren't unable to prepare or did not prepare. So I don't want to say that everyone was negligent in not preparing, but it's interesting to see the way we communicated. I think we did the best we could as meteorologists to say this was mm-hmm. going to be a really bad storm. Um, but the way that people handled the situation, whatever their reasons were, um, did not seem to match up with how well it's communicated. We would expect, okay, we communicated it well. Everyone should do what we say. But again that there are so many reasons as to why that was not the case so well i feel bad for saying this but the researcher in me is thinking this is like such an amazing opportunity to like collect data and talk to people and turn their stories into information that can help improve future preparations and evacuations and stuff yeah so did that ever cross your mind or were you like in help mode the whole time whenever i had a down moment like driving home today from the trade center after volunteering, I sat there and um, <laughs> I started crying, <laughs> but I was thinking, what could we do to help these people, right? So one thing I was thinking about was if we could talk to evacuees and ask, ask them, was it worth evacuating and would you do it again? But then also talk to those who didn't evacuate and say, if you didn't evacuate and you went through the storm, would you evacuate next time? Why? Why mm-hmm. not? Give me the reasons and and stuff like that. Because I've talked to so many people. One lady, I went to a coffee shop today in downtown Savannah. I was going around snapping some photos of the uh, the damage in downtown Savannah. I talked to this coffee shop called the Collins Quarter. And they're like an Australian coffee shop. They're great, by the way. And Ooh. they gave me free coffee. Because their debit card machine wasn't working. I didn't have cash. And they said, no, don't worry about it. We're good. So shout out to the Collins Quarter. You guys are great. But yeah, I was talking to this lady in line and she stayed. She said she lived in like a three-story house in downtown Savannah. And her generator grid is underneath the home. So that it doesn't mm. often get impacted. And she was like, I'm on the top floor. So I wasn't wor- worried about flooding. And everybody in my building was staying. So I felt safe. I felt like if I needed something, people were there. Mm. And that all makes total sense. Like, why yeah. would you evacuate if you're in a high area, you're on top, and you, you know the power probably won't network. go out? Yeah. You have a social network. Exactly. You have a social network. And she was like, power did not go out. I was one of the only people in Savannah whose power did not go out. Our neighbors all hung out. And the only thing she said she was worried about was potentially trees falling, except mm. for the fact that there really were no trees in her in her immediate area. But she actually slept through the hurricane. She says she fell asleep wow. at like 11 o'clock watching the news coverage. And then she woke up the next morning at like 7 or 8 and thought, oh, must have been, not been that bad. And then she looked out the window and then she realized, holy moly, it was pretty bad. But everything that she said t- made total sense. And I talked to her mm-hmm. about this today, too. It was like, 
how do you communicate and, and would you evacuate next time? And she said, it really depends on what the circumstances are. And I totally understand that. For those who did evacuate, it took a lot of coaxing for them to go. I don't think people were like, yeah, I'll evacuate. Sure. Like, it'll be fun. Right. Or very few people did. And I was even, I posted on Facebook, you need to get the heck out of here because it is dangerous. And I'm not kidding. And I was like, if you stay here, you will not get help from police or fire because they're not going to be out on the street either. They're not going to be risking their lives in that way, putting themselves out in like hurricane force conditions just to help you because you were dumb and stayed. I was really candid about it. And when it came time for me to leave, I almost didn't leave. I wanted to stay in my house because I was like, I want to make sure that my house is going to be okay. And I want to be comfortable. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm less comfortable and have to worry about, you know, stuff. And it's a little bit inconvenient. But after a while, I said, I have to listen to my own advice. I'm not going to be hypocritical (laughs) because, Mm -hmm. A, people were asking me, like, Snapchatting me and texting me, like, are you leaving? Where are you going? Like, why are you still at your house? And I said, I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm going somewhere else. I'm I'm not going to stay here. And I wasn't sure if if I was telling the truth because I kind of at the same time didn't want to go. But then I was like, I have to set an example and leave because if I don't leave and I tell people I'm not leaving, they're not going to leave either. And if they get hurt or killed, I will feel responsible for that, even though it's not really my fault. It comes down to personal responsibility. But Mm -hmm. in the situation that I'm in, if I'm advocating for people to evacuate and I don't and they don't as well because they're like, well, if men didn't, I'm not going to do it. Um, There's still a level of responsibility that I'd feel. There's so many motivations and I think that would be a great... There's those... um, immediately after the natural disaster research grants that they have uh, i think mm-hmm. cu boulder does some of those things right. and it would be great if somebody were able to come here and do it um i, I talked to a friend and, sh- and she was talking to evacuees in florida about hurricane matthew i believe so there are people who are doing this kind of stuff and i'd just be very interested because i've talked to people and that's not research but I have a very good perspective mm-hmm. about why they stayed, why they didn't. But things like that, yes, have come up a lot in the past uh, few days. Just thinking, where could we expand on the evacuation stuff? I actually was thinking about changing my thesis. But I was like, no, I was gonna I'm going to probably like, not perfect. because I'm going to be finishing in May. I need to finish that. But <laughs> hey, maybe I will go to get a PhD. I don't know yet. But what brings that to mind is I had a survey methodology uh, midterm today and one of the like some of the stuff we talked about was ethnographic research and one of our good friends jen henderson does a lot of ethnography stuff and one of like it's divided into spectrum so you have overt pers- participation which means like people know you're observing them and you're participating or you can be like overt um just observing so you're not participating but i think for you it would probably be best to be a covert participant where you're listening, you're taking notes and everything while you're helping people, but they don't know you're doing research. Do you debrief them after you talk to them, or what do you do? Um, I am not 100% sure because we didn't go that much into it, okay. but it's definitely interesting. I, I think ethnography stuff is so interesting because you get to insert yourself into someone else's life or yeah. someone else's situation yeah. and observe them in their natural like habitat. So instead of putting them in this like white room for an experiment or something, you get to watch someone make decisions or uh, like do their actual behavior in their own setting. Because, I mean, that's that's what they do anyway. We don't bring people into a room and say, are you going to evacuate or not? Like, that's not real, real life. Exactly. There, <laughs> This is really random, but I had a um, philosophy of geography class last year and they had a um 
an article we had to read, and it was a woman who was observing how um, lesbians live in a urban area and what they do, mm. how they do things. And she inserted herself into the study and it was doing ethno- ethnographic stuff. And turns out she was also a lesbian as well. She didn't tell them that in the moment. And afterwards, she came out and talked to people about that experiment and research that mm. kind of allowed her to be more comfortable with herself as well. Uh, so that was really interesting and really cool. And there Ooh, are other ethnographic studies with elderly people and how they respond to their environment in a way and how they use mm-hmm. the environment to their advantage in certain ways. This is great kind of research and it's very qualitative and very helpful because you really get that perspective from people. And I think sometimes you lack that and you are missing that in something like pulling them into a white room or just doing yeah. survey work. There are some wild numbers, like weather-wise, that came from this storm. Okay, at Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah, I believe we had the highest rainfall of any city in America from Hurricane Matthew. Even more than North Carolina cities that are experiencing, unfortunately, a lot of flooding right now. Seventeen point five three inches, and and holy, in a little bit over twenty four hours. Can you imagine all that rain falling, and? I cannot. On top of that, storm surge. <laughs> that I can't. I can't even think about that. And by the way, in Greenville, North Carolina, which is where I'm going to school at East Carolina, they're evacuating because of flooding on, along the Tar River, and they're also evacuating um, Goldsboro, North Carolina, I believe, because they're on the News River. So I can't even get back to school now. I'm supposed to go back to school tomorrow. Now they canceled class for the whole week and said, if you are away from Greenville, oh, do not wow. come back. So this hurricane, a whole week? yeah, a whole week. This hurricane is wreaking havoc all up and down the southeast coast. I I ex- kind of expected it, but when things started happening, I was like, I did not realize the scope of the damage that would be happening with the storm. But yeah, Charleston got really badly flooded. Jacksonville and Jacksonville Beach got really badly flooded. Uh, Saint Augustine, uh, all the way up and down from Miami up until the Outer Banks, they all got really jacked up. Storm surge wise, here in Fort Pulaski in Georgia, which is near Tybee Island, they had a 12.56 feet above mean lowest low water, uh, MLLW, and that pretty much set a record. They've never had storm surge that high ever. And it takes a uh, water height of 9.2 feet to flood the only highway to get out to the beach in the Barrier Island, 9.2, and then it, it was 12.56, so it was over three feet above the highway. And they're already seeing flooding from king king tides and and supermoons and storm surge in general. So just imagine a hurricane coming through. There was no way anybody was getting off that island unless you had a chopper. But even then, you can't fly a chopper in in like ninety five mile an hour winds, you know. And then there was wind speeds that happened with Hurricane Matthew as well. Um, Cape Canaveral, the uh, space center and whatever, they had a one hundred seven mile an hour wind gust. And Tybee Island had a 96-mile-an-hour wind gust and a 91-mile-an-hour wind gust over in the Outer Banks of North Carolina at Jeanette's Pier. So this storm was pretty bad. We probably got winds in um, inland Georgia around 60, 70 miles an hour. The way Matthew worked was so interesting because it went through Haiti and Cuba 
then came up through the Bahamas. And then for the whole coast of the United States, it seemed like it just was sitting off the coast and just like mocking us. It like went right along the eye wall, the Western eye wall, like barely clipped a few places. It did clip Tybee Island and part of Hilton Head. So that's why they had really high wind gusts. And it also hit Cape Canaveral and Daytona Beach area too. But it never really made landfall until it got to like McClellanville, South Carolina, I think. Kind of near right. Charleston or something like that. So this storm was playing a lot of games with us. It stayed off the coast just far enough that there wasn't this like 120, 130 mile an hour wind, especially when it was the Cat 4 down in Florida. But it still wreaked so much havoc with all the rain and the really strong wind and wind gusts. But the sustained winds were never up to really a Category 4 for most, most if not all, of the uh, impacts on the United States. So this storm was, it was interesting. But I think it was pretty well forecast, too, because we were showing the cone and showing it would kind of ride up the east, southeastern coast, and it might make landfall in a few places, but we weren't really sure. Um, but overall, I think the cone and the National Hurricane Center and NWS did a great job, and you know, hats off to them for, for doing so well with that relatively, especially with some of those model runs that were going all over the place. Holy crap. <laughs> It was a hot mess at one point. And I think at one point it was they were showing the storm curving back down to the Bahamas and towards Florida. And people were freaking out about that. They're like, the storm's coming back. The storm's coming back. And I was like, no, no, it's not. Not anymore, guys. It's going out to uh, going out to the Atlantic. So uh, this, this is probably a, a silly question to ask, but I'm curious whether people perceive that, that, that a hurricane happened. What do you mean? Like, do they think, one, because... It didn't like I'm thinking specifically for Georgia because it specifically did not make landfall in Georgia. Oh. One is it designated as like a hurricane gotcha. in Georgia. Two, do people perceive that this was an actual hurricane versus just like a storm or um, a nor'easter or something, some other terminology that they are getting confused? Gotcha. With it? Um, though I'd have no research backing this up. I can almost 100% say they know they they will say hurricane. They won't say okay. They won't say thunderstorm. They won't say whatever or windstorm or rainstorm. They will say hurricane because it goes back to the whole idea of having a name and it's named Matthew, and everyone's like mm. that hurricane Matthew. You know, they all say hurricane. No one's even said tropical storm. They've all said hurricane. Uh, that to me means that they understand that it was a hurricane, despite the fact that it never made landfall in Georgia. And when you mm. look at the um look. In the record books in the future, it it'll say probably associated with Hurricane Matthew, but it'll it it won't have said made landfall because it never officially made landfall gotcha. when the whole entire uh, eye and eye wall crosses the plane of the whole entire land area. You know, it just skimmed mm-hmm. it or whatever they call it. I don't know. <laughs> it's insane to see all the impacts from the storm, but uh, yeah, I think. You know, people, I've been hearing people say on the radio, because the radio is doing this live coverage stuff too, like, well, I live in so-and-so place and I ain't got no power and I don't see no crews out here doing nothing. And I'm like, guys, you guys are so, I, I understand your frustration, but you cannot assume and expect these people who, you know, are come out, they're coming from out of state. They're from like Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee. I think I saw a truck from like Northeast that came down. So they're leaving their families behind to come and help you. And yes, I know that your power is not back and there's so many things that are going on, but it's not all about you. They're going to try to restore the power that will help out the most people. Okay. They're not going to help out one house that's sitting in some rural area. If it's just one home, 
you know they have to work on people and power in areas that will restore more people's power than just one house you know things like that that's some of the frustrating things you hear about people and kind of like mankind and like all right guys cool <laughs> that's america for you we're very indi- individualistic yeah, no something we talked about everything's last about us we're so greedy but at the same time we have people who are collectively coming together a, a house fell on a woman's or a tree fell on a woman's house and neighbors came in and chainsawed it up you know to help her out or um there was no food here like when i was in Hinesville, we didn't have power and a lady came by and said oh my gosh i have power let me make you guys food she made burgers french fries and chicken wings for us and we we're sitting there eating it by candlelight Yum. but we're just thinking this is the generosity that people really show in times of disaster it really brings us together in a time in this country when we're so polarized in so many ways i think we can all agree for that real. we can help each other and help each other out in whatever way we can you know, I was downtown taking pictures and on the radio I heard, you know, Chatham Emergency Management and the Red Cross, they need your help at the Trade Center to volunteer and help out evacuees. And I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, I, I was thinking before I found out that school was canceled in, at ECU for a week, I was thinking I probably need to get home and do my homework because I have homework due tomorrow. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't care. I need to help these people. This is more important. If I don't get a good grade, I will just you know, make my teachers feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, this is what it's all about. Coming together to help people. Folks in my neighborhood are lending hands to each other. Here's a chainsaw. Here's, you know, here's a beverage. Like, just <laughs> from a chainsaw to here's a beer. A beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Anything helps, okay? Alcohol. Not at the same time, though. No, no. We don't need, we don't need <laughs> Saw 5. <laughs> saw 12. After the hurricane. Those are such good movies. You like those movies? I do. Ah, so the only weird. reason why I like them is they're that they have like puzzles. It's like an escape room. It's like escape Are you out serious of this room. Right now? Get out of yes. here! What is this? It's like a very morbid and very gory escape room. I hope in the, I'm never. But in, in that the first one, okay, in the first one, they're all locked up, and there's like this dead body in the back of the room, and they're handcuffed, and they're trying to figure out how to get out of it. And, like, the keys are, like, in the dead guy's pocket. So, they, like, use a string and, like, throw it and try to catch it. I won't give away the ending for people who haven't seen Saw. But, I mean, that's, that's like, an escape room. It's fun. Okay. Minus if your the, life isn't the actually blood at, and gore. You know, at risk. I know. <laughs> but, you know, I love escape rooms. So. I know. I do, too. They're Sorry, fun. Tangent. <laughs> They're fun. I've only done two. And I'm one for one for two. I only got out of one of them, not the other. Yeah, we but. didn't get out of mine. Huh? We didn't get out of mine. How many have you done birthday. already? Have you done like a few? Just one. Oh, the one that we did together. Yeah, dude, you love them so much, but I feel like you need to do them more. And who am I gonna go with? Your ge- uh, geography department, the weather folks. I know, but it costs money, and so they're like, ooh, ooh, costs money. <laughs> ooh, ghost. It costs money. Boo. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm just that. Well, blah. I don't know find people you you can find people to do it i know i should do it yes do it i would do it with you but i'm not there maybe we, we can, can do skype one in. we can skype <laughs> in an escape room what the heck hey I'll just be like do you see any clues around Man, you what's this puzzle? no you can't do an escape room and not be there there's so <laughs> many anybody who knows who's done an escape room you have there's so much attention to detail if you don't <laughs> if you're not there you're not gonna know what the heck is going on <laughs> oh my gosh uh. Oh, how do we get to that? Okay, wow. Saw. Sorry, I'm I'm sure people Saw want to hear something different about everything besides just talk about Hurricane Matthew. 
um, a lot of people are going to be affected and it's going to take time. So hopefully you guys can say a little prayer and think about us and um, maybe help out in whatever way you can yeah. if you're uh, if you're able to. For sure. Yeah, we will throw some links on our website to help donate. Or if you're pretty close to Savannah or any affected city or town, you should definitely head over and try and lend a hand. It's just incredible to, to see all that going on. And we haven't seen this kind of storm in a really long time. Hopefully we don't keep on getting them, but it's already been a really active, you know, hurricane season and definitely one memorable for, for us with Hermine earlier on. And then now with this, and it's not over. So hopefully uh, nothing else will happen. <laughs> we need a break. I'm ready for fall. Yo, this is kind of random, but um, the international emergency management conference is next week. So indeed the irony. Huh? So do you, yeah. Do you think it, everything will be cleared up by then? For people coming into town, or well, do you think they'll postpone it? They have the shelter at the Trading Convention Center where they're having the emergency management meeting. And I looked at the website, and they said we are good to go. And the um, the president of the uh, Visit Savannah said, uh, or the Convention and Visitors Bureau, he said we are working diligently, but the conference is still on because these are going to be like I think hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. It's a bunch of money for the city, and. Yeah, they're going to clear up everything. And they're, they're actually coming in a few days, I think, on Thursday or Friday. So I don't, uh, they're yeah, going to, they said true. they're going to clear it up. I don't know if they're going to kick people out of the shelter or what, um, or they have a plan. Hopefully they have a plan. It's ironic. I was telling somebody like, yeah, the emergency management conference is going on in town. And this is a kind of like emergency management crisis right now. And a lot of these folks have to be talking at that convention. So I hope they got their talks together. Yeah. <laughs> That's one reason why you don't procrastinate on your conference talks, I guess. But it should be going on based on their website and what it said. And now that I'll be here, I can actually... Well, I can't go because it costs a bunch of money. But I can chill outside the convention center and be like, hello, tell me what happened inside. (laughs) Or just wear a badge, like fake a badge and be like, hello. Just walk in. You can hang out with uh, Andrew and Chris. Yeah, I can. Hopefully, they'll be able to make it down okay. And and a few other folks um, that I've met too that are going to be going to the conference. So... Yeah, hopefully our city will be ready to um, be the host of City of the South once more. Hopefully. We'll see. I haven't tornado chased yet, but I guess you can say a hurricane chase. Yeah. I don't know. I was gonna say I was about to say that your chasecation has been extended. Yeah, this is my fall break right um, now, y'all, and I don't feel like it's a fall break. A fall break to me means taking it easy, watching some football games, watching leaves falling, <laughs> taking the cool autumn air. Football games? What does that have to do Wait, with anything? What? Drinking. What does football games have to do with a fall? Like break? you go home and you watch like football and just leisurely chill on a Sunday afternoon. By the way, the dogs okay. beat the Gamecocks, so hey, go dogs. ECU did not win, so boo. <laughs> Go Pirates. Um, Are you drinking pumpkin spice lattes? PSLs. Also? Yes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's It wasn't a break, but it's okay. We will uh, we will move on. And now that I have an extra week, <laughs> I guess I can really just chill before I have to go back to school. So I guess I can't complain there. No, you can't. Lord, well, you can't complain. Anyway, this was part one of the Hurricane Matthew um, episodes, and we're going to have another episode talking about uh, some of the communication aspects of Hurricane Matthew 
and some of the problems that we saw in the communication of Hurricane Matthew and, and the perceptions from people and how they perceived what meteorologists were telling them and what they felt the reality of the situation was. Yep, it should be great. So make sure you tune into part two as well. All right, until next time. Until next time, stay, stay hyped. hyped. Ooh, that was in unison. Wow. I, don't know, I feel like I did it before you. Oh, well, it sounded the same time when I said it. Oh, I guess it's delay in the phone. Delay. Delay.